Okay, good morning, everyone. Good morning. And we're here in our second week at One Tree uh, with our offerings. And we have Chris Lord with us today again. And he will be sharing the second of the Brahma Viharas on compassion. And I think we'll leave questions again. Uh, but I'll leave it to you, Chris, when you want questions. You can just ask me and I can keep an eye on the chat box. So if anyone has any questions, you can type it into the chat box. Uh, or if you want to ask a question yourself, you can click on the raise hand button and you should be able to unmute yourself and come forward. Okay, so thank you again for being a part of One Tree. Everything is open and from the heart. Um, and I just want to thank Chris again for being a part of this. Really appreciate making you making the time for this offering. Over to you. Thank you, Yan, and welcome everyone. Thank you for for tuning in uh, for this talk. And we'll do a little bit of uh, guided meditations as well on compassion today. And so as a way of kind of setting the stage, I would like to do just maybe a minute or two of meditation, just as a way of kind of settling in and arriving. Uh, so I have a singing bowl here, which I'll ring the bell on. And uh, I'll do just a little bit of guiding, but mostly stillness, mostly silence, just as a way of arriving into the present moment. Uh, so enjoy. And so the invitation here is just to arrive into the here and now, the present moment. There are many ways of arriving into the present. We could start here by just noticing the feet against the ground or the floor. Really feeling into the contact of the feet against the ground, the floor, the carpet, the mat. We could continue arriving by noticing the weight of the body against the chair or cushion or mat or floor. And perhaps noticing the support that's being offered by the floor, the ground, the chair, the support that's being offered to the feet and to the body. Recognizing that whether you're seated or lying down, the chair, the cushion, the mat, the floor, it's all really substitutes for planet Earth. So perhaps extending a thought or two of gratitude for this beautiful planet, Mother Gaia, this amazing life support giving planet. We could continue arriving into the present moment by taking a nice, long, nourishing, deep breath. 
And just allowing the out-breath to be a, a little bit slower or longer than the in-breath. That slower, longer out-breath often brings a sense of calm and stillness to the heart, to the body, to the mind. And then in the next breath, just allowing the breathing to return to its uncontrolled breathing pattern, just breathing normally, naturally. And just feeling the body, what the body feels like in this posture, whether you're seated or lying down or standing up, just feeling the posture. Inviting the body, mind, and heart to settle. Okay, well, thank you for joining me in that very brief meditation, just as a way of arriving here, getting prepared really for this really profound topic of compassion, compassion for ourselves and compassion for others. And so that's kind of how I've divided today's talk, today's offering. We'll spend about half of the offering today on really focusing on compassion for ourselves. I think most of us can agree that it's been a pretty challenging couple of years. And so self-compassion can be really healing and a really a great way of alleviating tension, stress. So, could be a very helpful technique for this, this current time, self-compassion. And then we'll talk about extending and expanding that compassion out to others. So it starts with ourself. But what is compassion really? A lot of definitions floating around about the actual word compassion. Right? So in Latin, Kampati means to suffer with. So compassion in this light could be defined as being able to hold space for another person's heartbreak and really for our own pain and discomfort as well. So cultivating the skill of being able to be with another's discomfort, another's struggle, another's pain. But it differs from empathy in that in empathy, we can feel into another person's suffering, another person's pain and struggle and our own. 
But empathy stops short of that motion forward to alleviate. Compassion has this sense of, almost a sense of urgency to it. That we, we want to move forward to help. So that compassion actually activates the motor cortex in the brain. So that we want to move forward to alleviate the struggle of ourselves and the struggle of others. Like so really true compassion in a very deep way and meaningful way changes the way we live, changes the way we, we relate to ourselves and to the rest of the world. And so the invitation here is to perhaps think of a time where you may have been with a close friend and that friend was struggling. They were in the midst of some real struggle. Think of how you might have held space for that person. Maybe they just lost a close person, a dear person, or maybe they uh, are going through a loss of a job or whatever it is. Just recalling how you might have been with that being, how you might have felt. Perhaps you felt like you couldn't find the right words, so perhaps just holding space for that person, just being the support, the company, the medicine that that person might need. And so self-compassion is the invitation to be our own best friend, to be that person that sense of support, that sense of spaciousness, so that we can connect with our own discomfort, our own struggle. And in that connection, a wise and kind-hearted response naturally arises. So initially, compassion practice, whether it's self-compassion or compassion for others, can be challenging. It's really an invitation for us to connect with some form of struggle, right? Compassion is predicated on there being a sense of struggle. If there's no struggle, we don't really have much use for the compassion, right? Can be grateful for those times too. So this can be quite challenging to sense a, a moment of struggle in our life. We, might draw from a past experience. But in doing that, I really recommend using something mild to practice with. You know, on the scale of one to 10, the struggle scale, we might select a two, just so that we get used to compassion and practice, what it feels like to move into a sense of compassion for ourselves, for others. And then when we get some dexterity, over the meditations on compassion, some skill over the practices, we can then move into maybe deeper waters or more challenging struggle material. So self-compassion starts with recognizing the struggle. This is the role of mindfulness and how mindfulness plays a key part in the practice of compassion. We have to recognize that we're struggling and, and really what that struggle might feel like for us. 
it's the acknowledgement that, oh yeah, this is a tough moment right now. And, and to not judge that. That's quite tricky for many people. So often we think when we're, we're struggling that we've done something wrong, or that there's something bad happening. We very often forget that actually struggle and suffering is inherent in the human experience. We all struggle. We all encounter suffering from time to time. And this was actually the Buddha's first truth, right? Four noble truths. The truth of dukkha, that the very existence, the, this very human experience entails struggle. It's actually sewn into the fabric of our experience. So if we're speaking about dukkha, luckily the Buddha said, and he gave us a very clear definition of dukkha. He said, dukkha is birth, sickness, aging, and death. Dukkha is not getting what one wants. Dukkha is getting what one doesn't want. Dukkha is being separated from those who are dear. And dukkha is being forced to be near those who aren't dear. <laughs> That's a, a huge spectrum when you think about it. Everything from birth, sickness, aging, and death to having you know, having to keep company with people you don't like and everything in between. So we always have this possibility of encountering struggle, which is why compassion is so important. So just recognizing when we're struggling, it's not that we've done something wrong. It's not, it's not really possible that we could arrange our life in such a way so that we'll never experience suffering struggle. Very often we fall into that, right? You know, if I get sick or ill, I might start to think, oh, what did I do wrong? How could I have done something better? You know, not recognizing that it's, it's the natural tendency of the human body to encounter sickness, to encounter illness. And that's just one many, many, many examples of that. So struggle, suffering, it's a natural part of the human experience. And just to recognize that. So we can be kind to ourselves in that recognition. Say, oh, yeah, this is, this is hard right now. And that's one of the key components of self-compassion is that ability to self-nurture. You know, you might put a hand on your heart. That's a typical move of self-compassion or putting a hand on your own shoulder or what they call havening too. It can be really comforting. This move of self-compassionate touch for your own self, for your own body. Put your hand on your heart. That's what I like to do. Put the hand on the heart and just say, yeah, this is challenging right now. You know? And then... In that recognition, recognizing that everything that arises passes. And that just because I'm in a challenging moment right now, it won't always be this way. That things do change. That was another one of the Buddha's teachings is that everything changes. Everything is actually in a constant state of change, including our struggles. 
That's the good news, right? So we can be mindful of what we're experiencing. Oh, yeah, there's tension in the body. Feeling maybe there's stress there. What could I be stressed about? Oh, I got some bad news yesterday. There's this, the move of self-compassion. Yeah, that was really hard. Breathing into that, feeling into that, acknowledging that. What's that like? These are all moves of self-compassion. We'll do a guided meditation on this in a few moments. And then recognizing the importance of the common humanity piece. And I was just speaking to this a little while ago, how we all struggle. Because often, I don't know about you all, but for me, when I'm in a tough moment, it almost feels like somebody's put blinders on. Like it's just me, like, ooh, like it just kind of shuts down everything. And I'm, I'm like, ah, oh, I'm, I'm in this struggle. It's all about me at that point, right? We forget that everyone else is having similar experiences either now or in the past or in the future. And when we, when we recognize that, when we can have that idea, that thought, those blinders open up and we can really feels like an embrace of the common humanity. And this is why uh, support groups are so necessary and popular, right? When I, when I've, you know, I recently lost a, a, one of my best friends to cancer, you know, so reaching out to other people who have lost friends in that same way feels good. We can relate to each other. We can support each other with that common humanity piece. Now, when we cultivate this skill in meditation, we recognize that we can draw on the whole of humanity for that feeling, for that support, that resource. So I'll just tell a quick story about this. This is a very famous story in the Buddhist tradition. Some of you have probably heard this story. It's the story of a young lady named Kisa Gotami. And this takes place in Northern India about 2,500 years ago, around the time of the Buddha while he was teaching. Actually, the Buddha is featured in this story. But the main character here is Kisa. And so Kisa is a very young woman living in the Northern part of India at this time. And she becomes pregnant. And she's about 23, 24 years old, single person, but becomes pregnant. And nine months later, she's very pregnant and she gives birth to a beautiful baby boy. And Kisa is just in love with this young baby boy, this you know, infant baby. All of her heart, all of her soul, all of her mind is for her newborn baby. She's doting on it and dotting on it. And she's so happy, she's radiant. But sadly, after a couple of weeks, the baby dies. And as you can imagine, Kisa is devastated. She's just heartbroken. It feels, in the text, it says that it feels as if her heart has been ripped from her chest. And in her dismay, in her torn apart state, she picks up the corpse of her baby and she runs out into the street and she's yelling at the top of her lungs, please, 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 won't somebody help me? I've lost my baby. And she's zigzagging up the street, making her way to the 
the village square, screaming these blood curdling screams at the top of her lungs. Please, somebody help me. My baby's sick. We need medicine, please. And people approach her to help, but they can see that the baby's already deceased. So they think Kisa's a little bit crazy, so they kind of shun her, push her away. This continues until Kisa makes it to the village square and she falls on her knees, clutching the corpse of her baby. Please, please, won't somebody help me? I need medicine for my baby. He's very sick. And again, there are people approaching her, but they can see the baby has already passed away. So they think she's a little bit out of her mind, which rightfully so, uh, for Kisa. And so they kind of push her away and move, on, move to the side. Finally, a, a wise elderly man has some compassion and puts his hand on her shoulder. And he says, Kisa, why don't you go to see the Buddha? The Buddha will be able to help you with your baby. Kisa stands up, all right, why didn't I think of that? Of course, and she's wiping her tears. Go to see the Buddha, of course, he can help me. And the wise man says, yes, he's just beyond the village gates meditating underneath the tree. Go to see him now and he'll speak to you. So Kisa collects herself and goes running through the village gate off to see the Buddha clutching, clutching the corpse of her baby. Reaches the Buddha, falls to her knees and says, Buddha, Buddha, won't you please help me? My baby's very sick. We need medicine. The Buddha, in his meditation, he opens his eyes and he looks and he can see the baby has passed away. And he says, yes, Kisa, I, I can help you with your baby. But you have to do a favor for me. You have to go back to the village and go door to door through the village collecting mustard seeds. And when you have a palm filled with mustard seeds, come back and bring me the mustard seeds. Kisa says, oh, okay, great. I can do that. Go get some mustard seeds. And she's got a little bit of hope and she's wiping her tears away. No problem. The Buddha says, yeah, but there's one stipulation. The mustard seeds that you collect must come from households that haven't experienced any death. Kisa says, okay. I think I can do that, sure. So she runs back to the village and she knocks on the first door. I'll do the sound effects. And so she's waiting and, and uh, a man, you know, maybe a little bit older than middle-aged answers the door. He's uh, holding the corpse of her baby, says, pardon me, sir, but I need some help. The Buddha has sent me to go door to door to collect mustard seeds from each household in the village so that he might be able to help me with my baby. The man says, oh, mustard seeds, okay. And turns to go to the kitchen. And Kisa says, oh, but sorry, I need to know, have you experienced any death in this household? The man is a bit taken aback. He's sure, I, both my parents have died. I've lost a brother recently. Oh, I'm terribly sorry for your loss, says Kisa but I can't collect any mustard seeds from this household because the households must come from, uh, the mustard seeds must come from households that haven't experienced any death. So she goes to the next door, knocks on that door. And a young lady answers, maybe just a little bit older than Kisa. 
He says, pardon me, ma'am, but I'm collecting mustard seeds from each household in the village to bring back to the Buddha so he can help me with my baby. And the young lady says, oh, okay, mustard seed. And she goes to get a mustard seed from the kitchen. And Kisa says, oh, I need to know, have you experienced any death in this household? And the young lady's a bit taken aback. She's like, yeah, actually I have. I lost a brother recently. My mom died when I was quite young. Kisa says, oh, I'm terribly sorry for your loss, but I can't accept any mustard seeds from this household because the mustard seeds that I collect must come from households that haven't experienced any death. And so Kisa goes to the next door and an elderly man answers. And Kisa says, pardon me, sir, but I'm collecting mustard seeds from each household in the village so that I can bring the mustard seeds to the Buddha and he might be able to help me with my baby. And the elderly man says, oh, mustard seed. And he's walking on a cane. He turns very slowly to go to the kitchen. Kisa says, oh, but I need to know, have you experienced any death in this household? The old man kind of chuckles, like, well, look at me. I'm over 90 years old. I've experienced plenty of death in my life. All my friends have passed away and my family's all gone. Kisa says, oh, I'm terribly sorry for your losses, sir. But I can't accept any mustard seeds from this household because the mustard seeds that I collect must come from households that haven't experienced any death. And Kisa goes to the next door and to the next door, and to the door after that, and the door after that. And finally, Kisa starts to realize, oh, this is a teaching that the Buddha has given me. And so she falls to her knees, still holding the baby, the corpse of her baby, and her heart just shatters open. Not from her suffering now, but in recognition that it's not personal. It doesn't have to do with her. It's just the way of things that we all encounter this type of struggle. Maybe not all of us lose a loved one, but we all encounter moments where we wish things were different, right? Arguably, we probably all will lose a loved one, but even if we don't, we all know what it feels like when we want the present moment to be different, that struggle, that push, that suffering. So Kisa, recognizing this, transforms her struggle into compassion. And that's the power of that common humanity piece. When we recognize, we feel how our heart longs for the present moment to be different. And we recognize we can just look around recognize that everyone else either is feeling that way, has felt that way, or will feel that way. And that's compassion. So I've covered kind of three aspects of self-compassion. I just want to point these out, and then we'll do just a brief, maybe 10-minute guided meditation on self-compassion. And then we'll move into compassion for the world. So the three aspects we looked at were mindfulness, just being aware of what's happening in the present moment, aware of any sort of struggle. 
we looked at the common humanity piece, right? In detail with Kisa there. So we'll bring that into the meditation as well, recognizing how all beings feel that way. And then we'll move into kindness for ourselves, self-nurturing like that. And so we'll just spend a couple of minutes on each of those stages, just kind of move through them briskly so we can get, all get a feel for what self-compassion might feel like. like that. So again, this will be a guided meditation. I'll ring the bell and I'll move us through this practice. Enjoy. And so once again, the invitation being to arrive into this present moment. And perhaps here taking a nice, long, deep breath. And just noticing how the body feels right now. Perhaps you might use a pointer to the felt experience of the body just by noting there is a body. There is a body. And perhaps noting the contact points of the body, the feet against the ground or the floor the weight of the body against the cushion or chair, mat. Perhaps noticing the hands resting against the body or touching each other. There might be sensations of clothing against the shoulders. Just taking a moment here to scan through the body. And as you do so, you might invite any tension or stress that's being held in the body to soften, relax, rest. And while we rest here in this present moment experience, the invitation here is to bring into awareness a recollection of a moment of struggle in your life. Ideally, something rather mild. You don't want to use something overly wrought with struggle. Something we can work with where we'll stay present and regulated to serve the practice. This could be a, perhaps an argument you had with a coworker. Perhaps a, a mild cold you might have had recently or physical ailment. And just feeling here what it feels like to want to be free from that struggle.
perhaps you might recall saying to yourself, ah, when is this gonna be over? When am I gonna feel better? And using mindfulness to just note here, what's the felt experience? Is there tension in the abdomen or tension around the heart? Perhaps it's just this feeling of longing for things to be different. There might be a tension around the shoulders or feet. And so taking a deep breath and breathing into what that sense of struggle might felt like, might have felt like or feels like. And so in the next breath or two, moving into the common humanity piece of this brief meditation of self-compassion, recognizing that it's not personal, not only us, but all human beings feel this way, either now or in the past or the future. All human beings feel the desire to be free from struggle, the desire to be free from suffering. When we recognize that, we might feel a sense of an opening, perhaps, around the sense of struggle or a softening. And so just taking a breath or two here to really feel into the common humanity of struggle. And so in the next breath or two, we'll move into the kindness aspect of self-compassion. And so here, the invitation is to offer yourself a move of compassionate touch. That might be perhaps a hand over the heart. That's my favorite. Or a, perhaps a hand on the leg, if you wish, or hand on your shoulder, some people like that. Whatever works for you, what feels good. And then offering yourself phrases of compassion, of kindness, like, wow, that was a really tough moment. It's really great how you pulled through that. Or if it's a current 
sense of struggle, just say, yeah, this is really challenging right now. Or it could be just something simple like, ouch, this hurts. You could use phrases of loving kindness, which if you were here last week might be familiar, like, may I be happy and safe. May I be at ease. You might just wish to hold silent space for yourself. That compassionate openness. And so in the next moment or two, we'll move away from this guided meditation and back into a conversational space. And I'll cue that by ringing the bell three times. So thank you all for joining me in that a very brief guided meditation through self-compassion. So I'd like to check if there are any questions that, that might be uh, wanting to be looked at or answered, discussed. So there's no questions yet. If anyone has questions, you can type them in the box or click the raise hand option, or you can just unmute yourself and come forward. So I, I have a question. <laughs> yeah, please, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, it was a very long time ago. It was when I was in um, Malta and I, it, it was about a year after I had left my job in the UK and done a lot of yoga meditation. And uh, that year in Malta was like literally the best year of my life. <laughs> and, um, and at the same time, it was also a time when I was doing a lot of crying, <laughs> just really spon lots of spontaneous crying and, and yet happy, happy to just release. And, you know, there was, questions in my mind what's going on why am I crying so much <laughs> and um, and a little bit of struggle as well I feel like our tendency is to fight against sadness against negative emotions and our tendency is to judge ourselves especially depending on who brought you up you know and how your parents responded to your emotions so it was always with a very negative um yeah, a negative reflection of sh struggle 
and, and sad emotions. And so I would say that I never experienced compassion in my upbringing from the outside world. Maybe I can maybe, maybe remember one primary school teacher, you know, and, and how she was very warm and loving and, and still got a little flavor of, say, compassion or empathy from her. But within my household, <laughs> we're all very judgmental, very cold, very unforgiving with um, struggle and losing face and, you know, sadness and crying and all these things. So mm. how much is it a requirement to have experienced compassion in your life from your relationships, from your outside world? for you to be able to then cultivate that within yourself. You know, so a lot of people go and see therapists so that therapists can be the space holder and show them a new way of really dealing with their inner struggle. But it's through that therapeutic relationship with someone who can offer you supportive emotions and space to breathe that you sort of almost learn through being in their presence. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do, yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry, I started off with one question and it diverted into another. <laughs> That's fine, I can, I can try to answer both, maybe. Um, yeah. So what, what's, the, what's the final question? Well, so that first question was an interesting one that just popped up now. It's like, how much do we have to have experienced compassion right. in our relationships and outside world in, in able to know what it really is and, and cultivate it inside of us or is it something that's innate and that we have we've just forgotten about it right yeah that's a great question so thank you for that and so um it is you know there are traditions that that say that compassion is innate uh but then they often say that it's innate because we learn that through contact with our mother by being held when we're born. So that, that initial, because we're so, as infants, we're so helpless. But the only way we can survive is through that contact with another. And so, and so in that nurturing, compassion is born. That's one view. And, you know, that I, I, I'm not gonna argue that view, but, but it may or may not be the case, you know. Um, it tends to that tends to make sense to me. Uh, but I also, you know, it's worth noting that if you or if anyone it has a sense that they're missing the feeling of compassion, the only way we would know that we're missing that is if, if we know it, if we know the feeling. Right. If we know that compassion is absent, then we know what compassion feels like. So it's there somewhere. If we if we feel like it, we're missing compassion, then we have some compassion there. And so these practices of of self compassion are, are a great way of tapping into that and just starting to generate that for ourselves in that way. Um, I, you mentioned therapy and things like that. I think that's a wonderful technique, a, a wonderful avenue to explore compassion. If you have a good therapist, you know, there are some therapists who you know, don't have that ability of generating that kind of compassion. 
So, so it's worth investigating, you know, and checking into that. Um, also, a good meditation teacher can help, you know, and, and can be compassionate in that way as well uh, to reflect that back. Yeah. Uh, does that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. There was um, that. There was a question prior to that, but that just popped out just now. Um, so there was that time in Malta where I was doing a lot of crying and releasing. Um, and there was one time I just really was like, well, what's this all about? <laughs> so I just sat with myself and I really, you know, I just closed my eyes and I sunk into the experience of suffering. And I, I think I already shared this with you, this experience in Thailand. And I, when I really sunk into that experience of, of suffering where it was in my body and just sat with it without any expectation or resistance, then suddenly that, that motherly compassion, it was a whole new wave. It was almost an explosion mm. of um, compassion, I would say. It was just like, and it just ballooned out of me so much so that I was like, this is something that is not quite coming from me but it, it felt bigger than me mm -hmm. um, and I felt suddenly that moment held by something huge <laughs> like a I mean at the time Kuan Yin I mean so Kuan Yin is some something I eventually came to and then I attributed that energy or that experience with Kuan Yin mm -hmm. um, you didn't mention Kuan Yin today actually I was <laughs> Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I was expecting your Kuan Yin story. Yeah, well, shall I, uh, did you have a question? Or, or? Yeah, so for me, and I think you already mentioned it, to really tap into compassion, we almost have to really sink into our suffering. And not in a, a attached way, but in a... I, in a recognition of your, there has to be a recognition of your own suffering and in order to recognize another person's suffering. So, and then it's sort of, then there's space for it to blossom and you want to be, you want others to be free from suffering. You want yourself to be free from suffering. So that, I mean, I think you already mentioned it, that recognition of suffering within you, the direct experience of the suffering. Mm -hmm. Is that almost a, a seed for compassion to sprout out within you without that recognition or that experience of suffering? There's no birthplace for compassion. I think you mentioned that already. That's a, a great way to say it. Yeah. Are you here? Yes, yeah, you just froze for a second. <laughs> oh. Yeah. And um, yeah, you know, I've heard I heard one teacher speaking about compassion where somebody asked him, well, you know, why why do we suffer? And one could think of the reason for suffering, if we needed it to explain that, would be so that we could be compassionate. If we didn't suffer, we we wouldn't know how to be compassionate. You know, we because we know how how challenging suff suffering is. It that innate desire to be free from that is the birthplace of compassion and so then when we when we see that and we, when we really are in touch with that in ourselves, as you mentioned we see what uh, 
how how you know how tough that can be then we look around and we recognize that everyone else regard and this is what's what i find so important about these practices is that everyone else regardless of their belief regardless of their political ideology regardless of their economic background regardless of their gender identification regardless of any of that we're all we all feel that we all feel that and so it's interesting because you know these tribes have formed throughout human evolution you know i'm a democrat i'm a republican i'm a i believe in this or i, I identify with that and we, we tend to have compassion just for our tribe but if we can actually broaden that so that we feel that our tribe is everybody who struggles, not everybody who votes in a particular way, or not everybody who supports the same football team, but everybody who struggles, then we start to create a, a global tribe and compassion can be felt for everyone. And so for, that's for me, the, the, the real profundity of these practices is that it really has the potential uh, for this global healing um, and uh, that's, you know, that's no, nothing that I think should be overlooked, you know, that, that it's just there in front of us, that we can do these practices and really start to, it's a, it's a, it's a subtle revolution, <laughs> you know, and um, yeah, I, I want to speak to something else that you mentioned there, Yen, because I think this is quite important and I, I recognize that we're going to run out of time before we get to the other uh, to some of the other material that I offer here, but uh, the the when you were talking about your story in Malta, uh, you were reflecting how you were feeling all of this happiness and joy, right? And your experience being there it was you said it was one of the best times of your life, and and so I want to point out that it, very often that's the case that we've had some struggle in our life, some suffering in our life, and we kind of kind of put that in our backpack and we kind of carry it around for us, carry it around with us. And then when we're in this place where we're feeling a lot of joy and happiness, that starts to be seen and felt, that starts to emerge. So it is just to the extent that we can experience, the, the extent that we allow ourselves to experience happiness and joy, on that same on the other side, that's the extent we can feel our suffering. And so, and it works the other way. To the extent that we can feel and we allow ourselves to feel our suffering, that's the extent that we can feel our happiness and joy, like that. And, and so it creates this kind of feedback loop. You know, we, we have a glimpse into this happiness and joy. I, I, I always, it's interesting that you have a tree on, on the, you know, the logo because that's how I see this process. It's like the, the, the tree and the leaves and the flowers, that's all joy and happiness. And the roots, that's all the suffering, right? And so the deeper the roots, the higher the tree, like that. And it, it comes together, it's a package deal. So I hope that maybe inspires some, some of our listeners to, to really engage in these practices. And the, next week I'll be offering practices on joy, which can be and 
are very often seen as the natural support to the practices of compassion. Uh, so don't, don't wait to next week to start the practice of compassion. You know, if you're really inspired, please go forward and, and do the meditation that I offered here. I'll also provide a link to a compassion practice where you can practice working with other people into the entire world uh, in compassionate ways. So that's, I guess, uh, one way of offering the homework uh, is uh, just to, you know, either do the meditation, that 10 minute meditation that I offered just now, or use the podcast link and explore compassion in that way. Did I forget anything or are there any other comments or questions, anything that wants to be seen, felt, offered? So no other questions at the moment. Okay. Well, if anything does come up, uh, you can all uh, contact me through my website, uh, suchsweetthunder.org. Uh, my email address is on there. Um, and I, I always welcome uh, emails, even if we've never met before. Uh, please do feel free to reach out if you have any questions about this material or anything about meditation. Um, also, the website has tons of videos and guided meditations and resources. Most of it's for free. Uh, the only things that I sell on my website are my two books that I've written. But other than that, everything's for free on there. So um, please have a look around. Enjoy the material that's there. And yeah, have a great week, everyone. Um, yeah. <laughs> so thank you very much. Yeah, Chris, for sharing so with us today. And thank you everyone for tuning in. I will send all the links uh, so you can catch Chris at any point and find his um, guided meditation online. And we also have a donation link for anyone who feels to give. That would be most important. Oh, a question. <laughs> no, I think we're fine. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Oh, there we go. <laughs> yeah, thank so you very much. Thank you. Have a good day. Uh -huh. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> we'll see you again next week with Chris. And tomorrow we have Dr. Lisa Ginny on the second of her trauma series. So hopefully we'll catch you at 1 p.m. tomorrow with Dr. Lisa Ginny. All right. Have a beautiful morning, everyone, or evening, <laughs> or afternoon, wherever you are. Lots of love. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Ian. Yeah.